Hello, and welcome to Shush, the ironically titled podcast all about health libraries. My name is Daniel McDonald, and I'm a librarian for Darling Downs Health. It's located in Toowoomba, but covering a large part of rural and regional southern Queensland, of course in Australia. I'm also the editor of the Journal of Health Information and Libraries Australasia. Though I'm the host and the producer of this podcast, all, all errors and amateur audio fumbling and poor questioning are mine, it's not a solo venture by any means. Uh, this podcast has received generous funding from the Health Libraries Australia and Medical Director Innovation Award. Uh, the musical interludes, they're from a band called Ethel Red. And some members of that band are children of a health librarian. And most importantly, the guests. I realise that the world doesn't need another podcast from a white middle-aged male, but please know that this is an interview-style podcast. So I try to stay out of the way as much as possible and talk to people much smarter than me about all things related to health science libraries, health research, publishing in the health field, all things like that. The guest in this first episode is Jackie Cribb. She's a librarian with the University of Queensland's Rural Clinical School, and she was my first real mentor in health libraries. I think she's great. And I hope with this and all future episodes... You simply get to learn a little bit more about colleagues and a little bit more from colleagues in the health library field. Thanks for listening. Welcome to the pilot episode of a very experimental idea called Shush, a podcast about health libraries. I think the world needs more podcasts. It's not enough. It's certainly not enough about health libraries. My name is Daniel McDonald, a health librarian with Darling Downs Health. Um, covers Toowoomba Hospital and about 20-odd rural and regional facilities, um, a fair chunk of southern Queensland. And my inaugural guest has volunteered to be a guinea pig as well is Jackie Cribb. Hello, Jackie. Hello, Daniel. How are you? I am nervous, but good. Oh, me too. (laughs) So, how would you describe your current role, what you do? Everything would be the short answer. (laughs) Um, I like it. Yeah. I'm in a one-person library. Um... It is one of a group of libraries that um, fall under the University of Queensland group of libraries, but I'm the only person in Toowoomba. I'm the only person that does everything here, so I go from shelving to check-in and check-out. I'm sure most librarians don't do those things today. (laughs) I teach information uh, literacy, do the collection development, research support, literature searching, including systematic reviews, and grant application support, metrics, just about anything. I don't do cataloguing. That would be interesting, thankfully. Yeah. I'm not very good at cataloguing. That's okay. NLA does it all these days anyway. <laughs> they so do. You just copy it in. 
Um, and so that's within the Rural Clinical School? Yes. You settle yourself. So can you tell us a little bit about that and how that interacts or doesn't with the wider UQ and medicine yeah. and UQ libraries? So the Rural Clinical School um, is has been set up under um, federal government mandate to train medical students to become rural doctors, given that uh, we have a terrible record of keeping doctors rurally. Um, so the, there's four rural clinical sites at UQ um, and three librarians across them, one in Toowoomba, one in Rockhampton, and the Wide Bay Librarian covers both Bundaberg and um, Harvey Bay. Okay, yeah. So um, we each run our little libraries, um, we're answerable to the Rural Clinical School staff. We okay. don't answer to UQ Library. We do link in closely. They purchase all our books and things like that. But our line managers are into the Rural Clinical School. That changeover happened at the end of last year. The Rural Clinical okay. School uh, felt that they wanted to con- you know, manage their library staff. Has um, that worked out well or...? As in, as in all changes, there's always positive and negative, isn't it? I really like having my direct line manager in Toowoomba with me. Right. Being able to walk upstairs, talk to the director here, who is my line manager, yeah. and be able to put an idea, get that instant feedback, you, that type of thing. Um, however... That said, I'm not working under the umbrella of the bigger UQ library, and that can be a little isolating. So. Yeah, bad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, do you feel like your director kind of understands the role? And um, I think he's very supportive um, okay. of me. Good. Supportive is good. But, you know, I, I have to explain why I want this yeah, or that okay. or those type of things because he's got a clinical background <laughs> and that makes him a doctor, not a librarian. <laughs> Which is different, yes. Yeah. And you liaise closely with your colleagues in... Yes, the ones um, in Wide Bay and yeah. we have a um, weekly zoom catch up and we do things like when we're ordering resources and things like that we'll share the ordering rather than each person doing an individual thing yeah um it does um help you know instead of going and everyone going and looking for new resources themselves uh one person does this or looks for that series or yeah so it does many hands make lighter work of course And but do they run their own ship to a degree? They do. They do. Sort of yes. Autonomous libraries and all. Yes. Okay. Yeah. We share where we can, and we discuss things we might do. Yeah, yeah. But you know, some of us have different people around that need have different needs. That can make it quite diverse. Yeah. Yeah. And in terms of the wider sort of UQ library staff, obviously, as you said, you're a bit more in the RCS world rather than UQ library world but we we do te- we do attend the um, health libraries meetings okay so we can sit in there and we can hear what's happening on the uh, yeah 
that bigger picture there. Yeah. Um, but often if they're doing strategy planning or something like that, we don't get involved sure. in that. Sure. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So how did you get end up in health libraries? Did you always grow up wanting to be a health librarian? Sure. Accidentally, as I'm sure most of us do. In fact, I know there's a book called The Accidental <laughs> Health Librarian, which yes. just sort of says what most of us fell into it. I did have a background in nursing early on, okay. uh, but when I went back to uni, um, because I was in hospital training, I'm old, <laughs> um, when I back, went back to uni, um, I did um, a Bachelor of Arts because I had, over time, my interests had changed. Um, and so, yes, my background is a Bachelor of Arts. Yeah. And so, have you found that nursing background has helped? It does. Um, I've also worked as an education and a music and an agricultural librarian, and so you mm. learn to be a bit adaptable as you go along. Yeah, um, but it does, you know, people come in sometimes, despite if I walked into a hospital, I'd be so out of date. Yeah, but yeah. Um, I do have that vague sense that I know what's happening. A&P and all those sorts mm-hmm. of things. Yeah. Uh, so having those other... Academic, you know, library roles at different times. So, was health library something that you did seek out? I was um, at Gatton um, as the agricultural uh, librarian down there, and the girl that was up here was going on long service leave, and they said, "Do you want long to do the long service leave?" And I said, "Oh, yeah, that'd be good," Um, and popped up here to do long service leave. Um, and then the next thing you know, it was only a short time after she came back, she found another job and went off to Melbourne. So they said, oh, do you want to go up there, you know, for a while? And that's how I ended up here. Keep rolling on here. Yes. Make yourself indispensable. And, <laughs> yeah. So do you feel like the library is well supported, well resourced? Oh, Yes. We have a print collection. It is UQ, so. It is UQ. <laughs> Can I just say, it is UQ. We are very, very blessed. So I've got about 1,500 print books downstairs. They're aimed to be resources for the third and fourth year medical students as they go through. Right. Um, medical students, you know, a different style of learning there. Many of them are still reliant on print. It will, that memory okay. triggers, I think, work better in print than they do on online. Yeah. But, I mean, like UQ has about 2 million books and about 150,000 uh, journals. So, yeah. you know, this link-in makes us very rich in resources. Yeah. I think UQ's well... One of the biggest in Australia, I think the answer to that is, yes. Yeah, I was actually, this is probably telling stories out of school, but I was at the Alia Queensland Critical Librarianship Day they had last weekend, and there were some Griffith Uni librarians there, and they were saying, according to their vice-chancellors, one of their big issues is that people often start degrees first and second year at Griffith, and then they'll transfer across to UQ because really? there's you know, more elite status, I guess, attached to um, mm. UQ degrees, whereas Griffith is easier to get into. into? And, and that's designed to be, you know, they're um, not always chasing exactly the same um, cohort of students, yeah. and, and that's, you know, appropriate. And but 
dare I be cynical, but at a degree, it's a degree in the end. And, you know, if you pass a degree, you've got that piece of paper. It doesn't matter where it's from. I think that's the opposite of cynicism. I think it's, um, yeah, this idea that the sandstone unis are the only places to sort of have academic credence, you know. Um, People are doing all sorts of niche research projects and things around the place. So, um, yeah, I think it's... Having said that, UQ obviously attracts a lot of um, research dollars, a lot of investment, and yeah. I think, to their credit, they pour that into support infrastructure. And yeah, yeah. So, um, there are there are you know pluses and minuses for each thing. And I must say, I did my undergraduate degree out at USQ. I don't have a problem with what I came out with. I thought I was well educated coming out of. Absolutely. I mean, the professor, so full disclosure, myself as well, I did um, arts degree out at USQ. Mm-hmm. I think the professor at the time, Robert Dixon, he's one of the preeminent you know, chairs in Australian literature and there's other you know, excellent academics that you don't yeah. always have the breadth, but they still have you know, standards right. and you, know, you get well taught, sometimes smaller classes. So yes, that's true. Things. Yeah. So, yeah. And do you feel the same sort of as a smaller clinical school? um... We have been very blessed here, actually, because we've had um, a number of discipline, academic discipline leads. There have been clinicians from the community that teach our students, and some of them are are well-known across Australia. So we have got some excellent people, and they come in and give their time, and, you know, so... And, and once again, we have small classes. It's such a benefit, you know. You're not lost in the rush as you can be down in Brisbane. Yeah, mm. I bet. So who are your typical users? What would you describe? Okay, well, the third and fourth year medical students. So spent, that's your core. That's, that's my core. That's what we're put up for, and that's my core um, group. They are... Um, then, you know, mine's a study space as well with a computer lab on it. So, you know, they come in for study as well as books and it's a user-friendly space. They have 24-7 access, so they can come in any time of the day or night depending on their passion for when they want to study best. Um, so how many do you have in each? we got year. 36 third years and 32 fourth years. Okay, so they would start down at UQ St Lucia and do first and second year of their MBBS? Yes, yes. So that's called phase one, and okay. phase two they go out to clinical placements across Queensland, up to Rockhampton um, and down to the Gold Coast, and there's students placed in most hospitals <laughs> around that, the larger yeah. hospitals, I should say, not yeah. the smaller hospitals. And do they self-select coming? Yeah, they've given the option of self-selection. They get to put in a preferences and, you know, they might get their first, second, third, you know, there's a whole range of preferences and, yeah. Yeah. And so once they finish fourth year here, they'll become interns and move into the hospital stream. That's right. Um, do you find it works in terms of keeping... Retaining them? Yeah. For some it does. For some, I think they come to Toowoomba or a regional training, uh, rural training, clinical school, rural clinical school. They come to us 
because accommodation is much cheaper here or at one of the other sites than it is in Brisbane. So this enables the students that don't have family in Brisbane where they can't live at home to live at, um, you know, have a better lifestyle rather than, yes, um, things. So some of those students are there for that reason. They also, of course, when they come into third year, they haven't had any clinical practice. So it's not till they go through their blocks in third and fourth year that they get hands-on experience. And you find that they come in in the first thing thinking, I want to be you know, a physician in medicine, and they go, oh, no, I don't, I really want to be a surgeon. Um, You know, so it's the exposure they get in those years that helps them decide their preferencing later. And then when they go to the end, if if they have decided if they've got a passion for a certain thing, often they choose the hospital best able to support that learning. So if they want to do paediatrics, for example, they would probably go down towards MARTA. Um, so that that's the trigger for their decision. But they won't know they're passionate about paediatrics or another thing until they've done their clinical years. Yeah, like all of us, I think, to mm. settle in a career at 19 or something. Yes. <laughs> next yeah. to impossible. So, that's right. Uh, and I'm sure there's some that are committed to rural you know, GP, yes. rural physician work and... Um, wanting to go that way and others maybe never thought about it but end up wanting that type of way so yeah Um, do the students so use the library as a learning space yes um, Yes. and do they use you in terms of learning evidence searching that type of thing that that, um, thing often they are quite proficient when they come up being third year students Uh, and they also have to have an undergrad degree so that puts them a little bit further along than most undergraduate students Um, but they also are very keen to do research the reason for that of course is it can place them into their specialty they're interested in so um, that research um, I do a lot of research training individually with students particularly um, you know systematic review type training, using EndNote, those type of um, things. Most most students think they can get away with it until they hit something like this and suddenly yeah. they discover, oh, I better learn that. So the um, next level of skills in yes, terms of yes. doing proper research. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so to the students, um, would you... Say that by and large they're pretty skilled in terms of blood searching and yes, Um, raising resources. That's right. You get you get some that and they'll go, but I do it this way, and you go, have you ever considered doing it this way? That was easier, (laughs) you know. But everyone's a different personality, and some people you know embrace change, and some people don't. Yeah, for sure. So as well as the students, I guess you have academic staff? Yes, yes, academic staff. And we also have academic title holders. um, And those are clinicians that mentor or train our students, but we don't actually pay them. So they get the benefit of an academic title. That gives them um, both that title, which might be, you know, senior lecturer or something like that. They also get the benefit of the UQ library resources, including the electronic resources. Magic log-on to full text. Yes, (laughs) yes. So that's a big benefit of them, to them. Um, And some people might 
you know, good use of it, and some people don't. Yeah. Um, it's always the same. Everyone's yeah. the same. So we have the clinicians and the academic title holders, um, the academic staff, and we also have a research centre just over um, yeah. in Freshney House, yes. And so would you say you work closely with them? In terms of... Very closely, yes. Yeah. Yes, we do a lot of... Um, you know, I do a lot of preliminary systematic review searching and stuff like that for them. So um, for the difference, of course, is with, for students, we teach them how to search in the yeah. interest of in the, enhancing their long-term outlooks. And for clinicians and research centre, we do the searching for them. Yeah, for sure. And do you feel like systematic reviews is something that you're always learning skills in and yes. having to, I don't know, adapt questions and it's you know, such a proliferating field. It's, it must be interesting yes. to be, you know, in amongst people who are um, oftentimes um, really aiming towards doing those systematic reviews rather than just as an adjunct thing to other work. Yes, but you would have some done in your area too, wouldn't you? Yeah, we do. Um, mm. But again, often being more of a hospital-based library, I guess... It's more it's, clinical practice. Yeah, it is. And those that are doing systematic reviews, it's often maybe attached to a higher degree, something like uh, that. Yeah. Um, you know, some of them may be out of interest mm. as well. So we have some staff who are... You know, might be sort of fairly advanced clinicians and maybe gestational diabetes, something like that, is a topic yeah. that's really, you know, questioning them. Obviously, a lot of rural things that we have, I'm sure you have something yes. similar to. So, any sort of rural adaptation of a particular um, you know, disease group or cohort or intervention, those types of things oftentimes end up in that reviewing area. But yes. it's often something I've found. Um, yeah, even the idea of what a systematic review is or should be can be variable. Um, There's quite good guides on it, though, and there we is. do. Um, I guess more from the user perspective in terms of what they think they're signing up for or, or coming into. Yes. Um, I think certainly from the academic side, the health side, you know, the... The published side, yeah, there's you know quite strong guidelines and all of that. But I think oftentimes, as initial discussions, people I think people forget that it's a collaborative um, process. And I've yeah. had people go, but I don't want to do it with someone else. I'm going, <laughs> well, I'm sorry, you have to do it with someone else. Well, there's five years of work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no, you've got to you've got to go out there and work with your colleagues. Yeah, yeah so that's um, right. Yeah. Yes, so it does um, change. It's good. Um, but we do that. We do, um, yeah, quite a bit yeah. of different work. Um, do you find they take up a fair bit of your time once you're getting yes, into them? Yes, yes, yeah. quite a lot. Labor intensive. Um, yes, they are. And um, But, you know, I, I get to hand them over and someone else gets <laughs> to do the reviewing. But they generally come back and then they have updated searches and, yeah, yeah Prisma diagrams to do and things yeah. like that. So it's not that easy. And you just try not to hit them at the same time, like two <laughs> at the same time. Do you find that they're rewarding, doing that type of work? Yes, yes, I do think it is. I do think, I do like the challenge of finding the perfect 
<laughs> you know, keyword, yeah. mesh term, whatever, whatever's um, suitable in that given context. Yeah, it's a real health library thing, isn't, isn't it? Isn't it? People outside maybe don't really... Go, I don't get me. that, but yes, yes, I really enjoy that bit, yeah. Yeah, when it works, it's mm. quite a thrill. Yes. Are there people that don't use your library that you think should, or do you sort of promote your services to some staff that you just don't really see there them? Many of the many of the clinicians and that might be in rural areas okay. and some of them it's not that they I think it's their time poor they are shift working on places yeah. they haven't got any relief staff often they're often the only person there there's a whole range of work related Practices, yeah. and then you top that off with family and family commitments. And it's not that they can't do it; it's that they need time to be familiar with the interface. Now, that's yeah. true in any situation, um, but the yes, yeah, that's the challenge. So, how do you do something for a time poor clinician who just needs that quick hit? And it's not easy. No, no, and. I think it is improving, but still the idea of you know, staffing in rural facilities is a huge challenge. There's lots of on-call work if you're a senior clinician yeah. in you know, towns that... Um, you're the only clinician, yes. I know that Darlington's Health is trying for at least you know, two you know, senior docs mm. in each facility, but I don't think it's there yet. And so I'm sure there's lots of... Rural GPs that have war stories about you know, yes, the, yes, uh, and I mean the further away or the I shouldn't say the further away from their training, the less experience they have with an online environment that doesn't include just Google searching. Yeah, um, that's true. And you know, beyond up to date or something like that. Yes, yeah. yes. There's a whole range of issues for those people in rural areas that you know anything we can do to serve them better. Yeah, mm. I think that's true. So how would you classify the way in which, I guess, your students, firstly, um, but others as well, are kind of using health literature? Um, you mentioned before that print was almost preferable. Um, only for the students. For the students, yeah. yeah. Only for, uh, not for all students. Some of them are great with online, yeah. but it's that whole looking at the print on paper for memory recall because I have discovered over time that medicine relies on a good memory. It's not... Yeah, of course. <laughs> that's yeah. the key thing for learning medicine. Really? It's not... Obviously, it's from my perspective. It yeah, is. yeah, yeah. No, um, no. Yes, yeah, so. And particularly at that undergraduate level, you know, that yeah, intense, intense early pouring in of yes. knowledge, you just need to know. You just need to know that knowledge. Yeah. Um, and they haven't developed the art of medicine, which is interpretation of um, yeah. signs that might fall a bit outside of that, you know, rigid. Horses and zebras. Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, so, but for. Um, the academics and clinicians and that, the online resources are where they're going, yes. Yeah. And, of course, they're after journal articles, which in most cases these days are online. Yeah. Um, and they they read like that, so they're going to... And they, you can read quite quickly when you're doing it that way. Yeah. 
do you have any sense that reading off the screen is a bit more sort of surface level or yeah no I don't think it is for someone that's um, an experienced clinician if you are learning a brand new thing it can be challenging but I think you you do learn to adapt to that Um, but as I said beginners like the print and the more experienced are quite happy to use the online well they need to be that way because these days no one can afford all the journal requirements they need to keep yeah. up to date with their area no way. and the bonus too of course is the online they can set up alerts or whatever to their specialty really niche yeah. um, specialty areas so they're not flooded with information they can be quite specific in their requirements which the students can't do because they jump from of course yeah. area to area so quickly um so yeah um do you feel like senior clinicians uh, are using textbooks very much or that's really just the genius? Some, some of them do. I have yeah. a few that get some up. I do, um, there is still a divide between um, the use of devices and apps and okay. the perceived, you know, in the thing. With my students here, we've, we've got access to some apps, some, you know, really mm-hmm. good apps. They say to them, well, before you go into your, with your consultant and he gives you a dirty look for pulling out your phone, explain to him that you have an app, Dynamed or whatever, that allows you to look up and you will look up anything you don't understand so that you're not interrupting him with a patient and stuff like that. Because some of the yeah, clinicians that don't use apps and aren't quite as good on the online device yeah. field do get a bit you know a bit sort of suggesting that the student is not um, attentive but they are they're just yeah. using their device in a different way and I guess if they've come through and found those tools are really useful that they want to be incorporating them into that well it enhances practice. their learning yeah, that thing if they have this doctor telling a patient they've got something they've never heard of well you know yeah or you know translating pathological Mm. data into an understanding of the disease all that type of thing that's right but I do stress they need to tell the the consultant before they go into the room just don't whip out your phone yeah Mm. so do you feel like or do you feel like you have a role in recommending apps or assessing them having them part of yes we do we do Um, obviously along with the other health librarians down um, at UQ so this is where that linking in is there we actually did an um, analysis and comparison between UpToDate and Dynamed because we have both Um, and uh, just to see how we could promote and where we could promote they have their niches you know what I mean Uh, absolutely yeah things like Google searching, you mentioned that briefly before, um, the sort of differences between Google searching and that more sophisticated database searching, is that something you have to yeah. differentiate a lot? No, I don't need to. Sometimes Google Scholar searching, yes. yes, okay, but not so much Google searching. By the time they get to me, they figured out you really yeah. can't do medicine via YouTube. Yeah. Well, sometimes they're still figuring that out. But, you know, they'll get there eventually. Yeah, yeah. Okay? No, that's good to know. But even, um, so their initial protocol for searching and that type of thing will be Medline. And... Actually, no. look, 
I do it myself. I will go to um, Wikipedia. Yeah. If I know nothing about that yeah. thing, you throw it in, you get a Wikipedia page, you can look at it. Okay, you get enough to go get some words to go and move on. And I think that in some cases, academic academics institutions, you know, dismiss Wikipedia yeah. too quickly. The, it gives you that, it's, you're not quoting it, you're not referencing it, it just tells yeah. you what, when you don't understand anything, uh, what it is. Well, I think your predecessor, Kayla Sayre, she did a paper probably 10 years ago or so looking at mm. comparing Wikipedia with a couple of other things and mm. using you know, clinicians to look at the clinical content there and um, you know there were some gaps but there's gaps in other tools too that's and, right you know it certainly wasn't a um, you know terrible no. place for for what it is you're not um, expecting that it's going to give you what a system review does or whatever but research, it's not but it's not it's an entry point it's an entry point that's yeah. what it is and you know there's nothing wrong with entry points wherever they are no no exactly right i think tim mentioned the comedian he Heard him in a podcast completely praising Wikipedia and thinking it was one of the great, you know, human inventions of well, the last so long. So. Prior, prior to Wikipedia, we'd go to an encyclopedia, but you had to have one on the shelf. It had to cover the right area. It had to... Well, load up your Encarta CD. And... Oh, yes. Yes. So there was a oh, lot yes. of things we used to do that, you know, Wikipedia can make it much quicker. Yeah. And you'll find, I don't know about you, I don't I don't buy dictionaries and encyclopedia-type books anymore. I'm, no, it's look pretty on the shelf, really. Yeah, they, no one no, uses not them. For, no, and I think that whole yeah, that idea of you know, reference material, mm. that's where um, you know, the Googles and things really... Yeah, really useful. Through. Um, so do you use PubMed or other interfaces for that? I use, I use PubMed. PubMed's my preferred one. We don't have, uh, you would know, we don't have offered as an interface for Medline. Um, or EBSCO? Or... We do have EBSCO, but I prefer <laughs> I prefer yeah. PubMed. It's my first port of call. I yeah, love yeah. PubMed. Yeah. No, 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 I think... <laughs> ah, you get used to what you work with all the time, I think. And, um, Absolutely, and all the shortcuts and all the different ways yeah, you can make the it Yeah, the way seems. you can make it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and... Students mostly we use PubMed. PubMed, yes. Yeah. yeah, well, that's what I teach them, so that's what they use. <laughs> <laughs> we go from PubMed, and then we use Embase and Cochrane, and you know the yep, usual yep. those ones. We that's what we do through, um, depending, yeah. and then go to PsychInfo or something if if you've got if it's niche if it's, material. Yeah, it's yep. niche material. Yeah, that makes sense. Do you feel like you're Constantly sort of learning or updating searching techniques and yes. tools and yes. tips. And yes, Cochrane did change their interface this year, didn't they? That's been fun. How do you um, keep up, do you find, or like, are there strategies you have for improving your knowledge and skills? For just just to keep up generally, let me talk more generally yeah, about yeah, library yeah. skills rather than searching skills because yeah. searching skills is you get in there and you do it until yeah. you get a thing and you read the help pages. And if they change the interface, you read the help pages more. Um, yeah, so that type of no, no, thing. I like this truncation symbol. That's, yes. <laughs> yes, that's what you think. But anyway, um, so but keeping up to date is probably the most difficult thing in a one-person library. For sure. 
Um, and to top it all off, we're not one person in Brisbane, we're one person in Toowoomba, where there's not terribly many other health libraries to go and talk to. You and I can talk together, Daniel, and that's about it. Um, True. Yeah. Um, so, keeping up to U- date... USQ, even though it's in town, it doesn't have a medical school. It's not got a medical school. Nursing so and psychology and a bit of health Different focus. Stuff, yeah. 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 Um, and so, yes, so what do I do? I read blogs. I've got some email alerts. Mm-hmm. I've got... Uh, I, I tune into webinars if I can... Um, and Zoom, Zoom meetings, that's how I keep up to date. And uh, periodically, not very often, I might get down to a, a conference or a day something somewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is it difficult to kind of get approval to conferences? Yes. Or, and that's sort of a UQ thing, or just uh... um, yeah. So it depends on where they are, and yeah, you know, okay. the one day events in Brisbane. But at the same time, you've got to try and juggle what you're doing up here. And yeah, yeah library will be unstaffed, and is this this meeting on or that meeting on? Or, and things you can't just yeah. have days off as easily as all that. Finger in one part of the wall, Too pops many. out another hole. Yes. And, yes. Yeah. And do you get frustrated at that, or you just um, move on? Yes. You, you can't. You can't spend your life worrying about that. You try and have a conversation with colleagues with some knowledge. Um, these da- well, academic libraries, of course, research um, is a key area yeah. and and so the supporting of research from uh, the research metrics and the research um, grant metrics and things like that we do that and it's actually very very complex and it's very hard to keep up to date when you have grant writing at the beginning of the year yeah, yeah. Um, and you do a batch then but you don't do any for nine months and they change yeah. <laughs> everything in the meantime and it, you just feel like you learning all the time to do metrics is just one of those yeah, new of areas of um, library work that's yeah and so that's a big part now of your oh, yeah. role yeah. Right. is it exciting too obviously it's different as you when say, you feel when you feel you've got a grip on it Okay. It's, it's, it's quite exciting you know research data management you think oh I've got that and you know but yes things are always changing um, yeah. with UQ they've got a whole research um, library section that just supports the research of UQ and yeah. it's constantly changing yeah and um, just keeping up with some of these things is um, amazing so are you given specific tasks by the researchers or it's more sort of from the library and the university in terms of, you know, yeah, managing those metrics and what, like what happens is um, a researcher says, I'm applying for this NHMRC grant, mm-hmm. can you give me my metrics? Right. Mm. And that's it. <laughs> uh, yes, yes. And then the library, of course, has... Um, things where you go and look and um, how to get the metrics and put it all together and which, yeah. um, you know, whether you'll use Insights or SciVal or those type of databases. But there, they change too and you've got to go and, yeah, keep up to date with them. Are you involved in 
the actual management of data around within individual research projects and things like that? Or um, some some of it. The UQ has got uh, research data management now, and so if a group is doing a research project, they can ask for um, room on the server. Mm-hmm. Up to one terabyte, I think it is, initially. Uh, and you set up your research data manager, which is an online thing, and you've got to fill in different aspects for this, that, and yes. So, yes, it is quite um, detailed, and mm-hmm. they can save all their work, all their lab note archives, notebooks, and things like that mm-hmm. can all get saved into this one area for that particular project. And... You play a role in teaching people how to use that, yeah. accessing it, all that. Yeah. Yeah. And obviously, there's a push towards making more things open, including research data. So. Yes. Yes. UQ has eSpace, uh, yeah. where the researchers, when they've finished a project, and as we know, most of the grants these days require mm-hmm. data to be made available, so they can put their data up on eSpace. Okay. And then that sort of satisfies those requirements? Yes, for... yes. Um, you, you can put it up open or you can put it up as mediated access, which is the more common Request, one yeah. um, because researchers, you know, like to know who's asking for their data. And do you find there's any pushback or, you know... Um... Not necessarily. Because, because of the grant, the nature yeah. of grants these days, um, if you want the grant, you, you comply. And yeah. that, so that takes it right away from us or UQ yeah, or anything like that because... Yeah. Um, in terms of your role, is there anything that you're not doing that you would love to do or feel like you should be... I the I, one person makes it quite difficult to, <laughs> to say I'm not doing it. Um, yes, yes. Um, no, I can't say that. I with RCS here when they wrote our PDs, they added things like, "Oh, well, you'll do some IT support <laughs> and marketing support," and so we for the whole of RCS, not the Royal Clinical School, not just the library itself. Yeah. Right. Yes. So. Because yeah. you got the skills and. It's amazing <laughs> what we can do. I've got to say. Um, yeah. So we do. We do have. And, and as I said, we've all got different strengths and weaknesses, and different yeah. cohorts and things yeah. like that. So that allows um, people to, you know, work on their strengths. Of course. Yeah. And uh, do you have sort of capacity for? You know, project management or even just suggesting projects and things like that that you'd like mm, to yes um, I think I could but I'd have to do all the work so <laughs> I'd have to be a bit more cautious about that we did we, yeah, we just did uh, have just done a library newsletter which was our first okay. newsletter um, so yeah we just so is that amongst the three yes, RTS yes. libraries mm. okay. what type of things do you include in that Usually an introduction to the beginner thing. What do I do there? Am I a bit rusty at searching? Am I, um, yeah, do I use, here's some new resources, you know, do you know about them and do you know you can just get them? Yeah, Mm, yeah. Those type of things. And do you have a sense of where this type of work that you're doing so that either, you know, 
academic health libraries or even at sort of rural academic health libraries what you'll be doing in a few years' time, sort of the, mm. the future? And... Yes, I... Well, actually... What it should or what it will be, or if it will it's be. It's going to... And it's an interesting point, isn't it? So... I think li- libraries are always five minutes to midnight and terrified. Of... They are, aren't they? And Maybe. so should we discuss if there will be a future for librarians? That yes. will be the key um, question. Of course there will be. It may not be what we're doing now, but... Mm. You know. Yes. So current librarians mumble about public expectations of librarians, i.e. Yeah. the bun, the cardigan, the, <laughs> you know, saying shush all the time. Um, but... These days we sit behind a computer and just do online environment. I don't know the last time I picked up a book that was related to work and not, you know, just relaxation. So, yeah, the next generation of librarians will be as different as we were from the shushing generation. (laughs) Okay? And I think, you know, there's been that reinvention within the profession. I'm sure there's Mm. uh, on a a greater scale, but... personally think that libraries are often the ones introducing the digital innovations and learning as you said you know research data management teaching your students and researchers how to be you know using eSpace and all those things like that's a role that you didn't have 10 years ago oh absolutely adapt and adopt and that's right become expert at it I don't I don't think the role will look anything like we've got now yeah but um, and I, I do wonder if they need to be called librarians, and I wonder if there's a library degree, though many library degrees are vanishing also, aren't they? Um, no. So do they need to be that, or do they need a PhD in something? Um, and I think libraries are just a reflection of the other, you know, moving feast that is the workplace these days, and you hear it in every one of them. Um, so there's a long-term impact on the open access Movement, how successful or not will this be? There's things like unpaywall. That's, um, you know, they're there now. So what will they be like in five years' time? Who knows? So could you see UQ unsubscribing to all their Elsevier content or things like that? Well, it is certainly a valid... um, Argument not to be subscribed to the big publishers, isn't there? And I mean, I think that UQ pressure. Has weight, you know, if they cancel their subs versus and I think or you, yeah, well, that, I think you are right that we have a weight, but our weight is Australian weight. We're going to wait till the Americans <laughs> do it. Uh, oh, yeah, USC and others are, are trying some of the big, yes, you know, European ones as well. The, the Europe's true. pretty strong um, at saying no. Some of the German. Um, stuff, but yeah, we we'll just European have to. Wait. Socialism, making things open. Yeah, yeah but I was but reading about. Um, yeah, it is. It is. It's a reading about site the other day. Have you come across site? S C I T E dot A I. Uh, not enough to talk about it on a podcast. Ah, site. I think it's so interesting yeah. that you'll be able to finally see if the article that you're that's referenced is actually supportive. Or contradicts what's said in the, um, you know, in the actual paper that comes out. So actually, uh, site. Right. Uh, I, what I find about it is, it's using artificial intelligence and machine learning to pick out whether the paper is contradictory or supportive of the actual thing. So, you like know. in-depth fact-checking. Yeah. Of, yeah. Wow. 
wow. And it, yeah, there's preliminary stuff there, mostly in biosciences, mm. but you know, I think that that's where we're going. I mean, how many times? Oh, yes, that paper's been cited a hundred times. Means yeah. nothing what if they're all dead, but this is going to look and say it's been cited a hundred times, but they're all dump, dumping on it and you're saying it's garbage, you know, yeah, so don't yeah. cite it. Um, so I think that's really interesting. And interesting using that AI to almost interpret conceptual yes. ideas about, as you say, whether that article is agree, disagree, or something that. Mm maybe a straightforward thing or it might be quite a nuanced thing yes so, yes again that kind of the rise of the algorithm is mm. really beneficial but also quite problematic i think yes and i you know ai of course is coming to the health health profession as well as the health libraries we yeah. do need yeah. to be aware of them um and we're even um, looking at starting a review of ai in um cancer prognosis, um, one of the researchers. So we're really, it's that machine learning, that whole concept there's yeah. just on that table there now. Um, and I think it's going to change, change mm. us, change the healthcare system, change everything, and the only way to survive is to be adaptable. Of course. Um, and it all feeds back in, doesn't it? So the more you're able to open research data sets mm -hmm. and things like that, then these sort of you know, um, you know huge data algorithms throwing all that in mm -hmm. together um, will really shift things. So you think that will be a big influence on yes. future healthcare? Yes, yeah. I think so. Yeah, and in terms of the production of health literature and publications of research? Just, the, you know, I mean, while to us it seems minimal at any given time, you know, the change, you know, this um, site, um, one that seems minimal, but it is quite yeah. significant. When you, when you get down to it, we could look back on these things in yeah. our 10 or 15 years' time and thinking just... How amazing that change was in a period of time. Well, Wikipedia, when it first started, was exactly. sort of mocked and ignored and uh, you know, yes. non-authoritative and can't all the rest it. of it. Yeah. yeah. So, so. Yeah, I agree. So to conclude, if you were czar for the day of health libraries worldwide <laughs> or healthcare, given uh, unlimited budgets, oh, anything dear. you'd do to make the world a better place, or Make uh, health libraries secure for three oh, more years. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't yeah. know. I don't think I could do anything to make libraries secure for the future. <laughs> I do think, you know, we have to be flexible and I, UQ itself is, is starting to employ people with PhDs rather than library degrees. Really? So it does... In roles that were traditionally held by... Like well, we yeah, and some of roles. that are changing roles, so yeah. they're not requiring that. So it is different. Skills, and yeah. for big libraries like academic libraries, the librarians aren't out, 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 out the front dealing with yeah. customers anymore. They're, they're specialty roles. Um, yeah, and think they require specialty training and they well certainly you know as a one person one and you know just keeping up to date is very hard on the mm -hmm. broad spectrum of uh, requirements these days it's not easy to do no that's right final thoughts all good thank you for your time excellent thanks very much Jackie